Hey there, I'm Julie, and this is the Married to Addiction podcast. If you're here, then you're probably what I call my secret sister. We're in a situation we never asked to be in and fighting a battle we never wanted to fight. We're women who are married to an alcoholic, and it affects every inch of our lives. If that sounds like you, then I want you to know that this is a safe place for you to land. Married to Addiction is a faith-based podcast where I'll help you find the tools and strength you need to navigate your husband's addiction without losing yourself in the process. So please subscribe and tune in as often as you're able. Because your husband's recovery is important, but so is yours. Before we get started today, I wanted to make sure that you knew about my free on-demand workshop that's available right now that's called Five Steps to Breakthrough for the Wife of an Alcoholic. This workshop came about because I remember when my husband was deep in the throes of addiction and I would hear things like, I needed to accept the things I can't change and set boundaries and detach with love and all of those concepts. And I remember thinking, there's no way that I can do those things in the midst of this craziness that I'm dealing with right now. And that's not the kind of help I'm looking for. But what I learned after that is that there was actually more to those things than I realized. And there was actually a couple extra steps that came before them that no one was talking about, but that once I learned to do those things, it changed everything and it made those things seem much easier to do. And I realized how beneficial they actually were. So in this free workshop, I'm going to share those steps with you. They are steps that bring relief, peace, and healing. This workshop's available for you on demand, so you can listen to it whenever you'd like. You don't have to sign up for a specific time, and I would absolutely love for you to go grab that if you haven't already. It's on my website, MarriedToAddiction.com, and you just want to look for the tab that says Free Workshop. I hope to see you there. Hello, hello. This is Julie, and welcome to Episode 10 of the Married to Addiction podcast. This is kind of our first milestone, uh, double digits. We're in the double digits, y'all. Episode 10. I'm super excited. I hope you are finding these episodes helpful. Um, I have gotten some reviews from some of you that just absolutely touch my heart. It sounds like there are some people out there who are really connecting with my message. And I just, that just means absolutely everything to me. Thank you so much for those of you who are leaving reviews. And um, if you haven't done that yet, I would really appreciate it. It does help me get my message out to more people. because positive reviews bring up your listener uh, amount, right? So if you would do that, that'd be awesome. Today's episode is called Self-Care, in quotes, for the wife of an alcoholic. So we hear a lot about self-care, right? Um, Pedicures and manicures and getting our eyebrows waxed and retail therapy and massages and, you know, having a girl's trip and all of these things that the media tells us are good for self-care. And while those things can be great um, in certain circumstances, self-care for us actually looks really, really different because in most cases, we are often neglecting our most fundamental needs. I know this was the case for me. Let me give you some examples. I was so overwrought at all times by anxiety, worry, and fear that I stopped taking care of my myself in every regard. I didn't take care of my physical body. I didn't take care of my mental health. I did not take care of my spiritual health. And I just felt like 
it didn't matter right then. When I was in the thick of things with my husband, who's now been sober for four years, but I can still remember this just literally like it was yesterday. I just remember thinking, it, it, I'm, the last, I'm the last thing that I'm worried about right now. I am the last thing on my mind right now. I need to figure out how to fix this situation and how to fix him and how to change what he's doing and how to change what is happening in our life right now. I wasn't worried about me at all. And because of that, I'm sure you've heard me say before, I ended up covered in huge patches of stress-induced hives. They would show up um, between about my thighs and my neck, so basically my entire torso. They would show up multiple times a day. I was working a corporate job at the time in a management position, and I would just be sitting there speaking with someone or on the phone or just trying to get reports done or whatever it was, and they would just all of a sudden just pop up, and they were huge patches, and I would just be itching like I can't even explain the itching. It was like so intense. I felt like I wanted to scratch my skin off. And it would last for several minutes and then it would go away for, you know, a little while and then it would come back. And this is how I lived my life for months, for months. And I remember thinking to myself, this is so weird. Like, why in the world is this happening? I was thinking it was an outside influence that was causing this. So I'm thinking, have I changed my detergent? Have I changed the soap that I'm using? Like, and all of, all of a sudden, am I allergic to cotton or whatever fabric I was wearing. I just could not figure it out, but it was so, it drastically affected my life. It was absolutely miserable. And I didn't even know at the time that stress-induced hives were a thing. I'd never had that physical response to stress in my life before, and I didn't recognize that that's what it was. But lo and behold, guess what? When my husband got sober, the hives magically, quote unquote, went away and they've never returned. So it was, I know now, my body's massive physical reaction to a massive amount of stress that I was dealing with on a daily basis. Not to say that changing the things that we're going to talk about today would have really helped that, but it just goes to show you that being in this amount of stress and in this situation can drastically affect your body. Now, maybe it would. Maybe some of the things we're going to talk about today would have. Actually, I know that they would have because especially the last one, if I had paid more attention to that, it absolutely would have changed it. But I I just want to drive home that, you know, if if you're having – I'm in a a group on Facebook for Christian Wives of Alcoholics, and people are always talking about how they're having these, you know, health things going on, Um, heart palpitations and headaches and, you know – just having issue like hormonal things, hormonal changes that are causing problems and just all of these things. And while, you know, of course there's other things in our life that can cause physical issues as well. I don't think that a lot of times we realize that a lot of the stuff that we're dealing with really is directly related to our circumstances. We are in traumatic circumstances. It is trauma. If you are living with an active active alcoholic and all of the hardship that that brings into your life, you are dealing with trauma on a daily basis. So yes, it affects you in every way, including physical. No amount of pedicures or eyebrow waxes are going to fix any of this, right? That's just like slapping a Band-Aid on a gaping wound that needs stitches. 
they're great. They might make you feel good for a second. But what I want to talk to you today about is really how to dial that back and realize that what we need to be addressing when we start thinking about self-care in our situation is really just getting back to paying attention to our fundamental needs. And I know that you might feel like I did, that that's the last thing you're worried about right now. But you have to protect yourself. You have to protect your health, your mental health, your physical health, um, your spiritual health. You have to, because this is already such a taxing situation. And if you're not doing those things, it's making it a million times worse, one million times worse. So today I'm going to talk to you about three things that you need to do instead. This is your new, quote, self-care regime, right? This is self-care for the wife of an alcoholic, and it's going to sound super fundamental, but my guess is that if you're in this situation, you are not doing a very good job of these things because you're so concerned about everything else that's going on around you. If you're already doing some of these things, great. If you're, you know, doing them sometimes, try to get more consistent. If you're not doing them at all, I just really cannot impress upon you strongly enough how important this is. The first one gets me excited because I'm not sure if you know this, but prior to Married to Addiction, I did a couple other things, one of which was nutrition and wellness based. Um, I have a cookbook <laughs> that I wrote, and uh, I was in the nutrition and wellness space for quite some time. My focus then was helping busy mamas get food on the table, healthy food on the table more quickly. But I did that for quite some time. And the reason why I did that is because it's been a huge part of my life, my entire life, from the time that my girls were little. I just really have been hyper-focused on healthy diet and, you know, good nutrition. And I've seen firsthand what a difference it can make in my life and, you know, the lives of some other people that I know. But it was one of the first things to go out the window when I was in the situation when my husband was in active alcoholism because I was doing good to just like get up and get dressed in the morning. Like I was literally hanging by an absolute thread. So there was no coming home and making healthy meals. There was opening a bag of Doritos. And, you know, if the kids were lucky, I would end up having some sort of vegetable with whatever I was giving them. Like there was no healthy eating to be found, which again, is just making everything 10 times worse. But at the time, I just felt like A, it wasn't important. And B, I just couldn't muster the energy without really thinking about the fact, even though I knew better, that the energy would come... (laughs) if I would just make the effort, even a little additional effort to eat right. Anyway, the two things or the the two things that I want for you to think about with this first one, which is nourishing your body, are nourishing it with healthy food. And we all know what healthy food looks like, right? I'll talk about that a little bit more in a second. And watching the alcohol in your own life. Now, there's a lot of different ways that wives of alcoholics deal with alcohol in their own life. Some of them do not want it in the house. They don't want it in their life. They hate it because of what it's done to their husband and their situation, and they won't touch the stuff, which is great. Some uh, continue with moderate drinking, and some continue with using alcohol as a way to cope, maybe not in in an alcoholic way like their husband is, but almost justifying it, I guess, justifying coming home and having, you know, a couple glasses of wine because your situation is so stressful. So I'm not sure where you fall in that spectrum there, but alcohol really can affect 
in so many ways, your mental health and your moods and the ways that you're able to deal with things, even if you feel like you're using it responsibly. I want to recommend a book to you. It is called Alcohol Explained. It is by an, uh, an author in the UK named William Porter. So there is some UK like verbiage in there. If you are reading it and you're like, I don't understand what that word means, that's why. Um, but it is a kind of more of a scientific approach to explain exactly what alcohol does to anyone. It also talks about addiction. It also talks about, you know, what it does specifically for the alcoholic. But what it opened my eyes to was how it affects everyone um, to the negative. And one of the things that I was really impacted by was his, his uh, ex explanation of how we think that alcohol is actually something that helps our anxiety. If we feel super anxious or, you know, upset or whatever, a lot of times the first thing we say is, oh my gosh, I had such a stressful day. I just want a glass of wine or whatever it is, thinking that that's going to take it away, which it does temporarily, but you're actually making yourself um, physically and psychologically more anxious after you've had a drink than you would have been if you just had abstained. So I, I can't explain it like he does. I mean, he really goes into a lot of depth as to how this affects us. But it, even if you are just drinking, you know, moderately in your situation, I just really want you to grab that book because it will really be an eye opener for you, I think. So that's the first, the, uh, the one of the big things for nourishing your body. The alcohol that you're potentially drinking to cope, even if you're using it very modestly, is definitely affecting you to the negative without you realizing it. So I wanted to mention that for sure. Um, and there's also, you know, some things with alcohol too. I did a couple posts on social media about, you know, should you drink or should you not? And obviously it, everyone makes their own decision where that's concerned if their husband is addicted. But, uh, you know, there's some other things to think about too. Like alcohol definitely will change the way that you interact with your alcoholic. If you've had some drinks, it's going to be real hard to be, um, you know, real neutral when it comes to setting boundaries and, uh, you know, interacting in a non-emotional way. Um, alcohol can also potentially keep you from hearing God if you're looking for direction. Uh, that's definitely a barrier between you and having a conversation with the Lord. So that's just, there's just some things to think of. And, you know, I'm not telling you what to do. I just want you to be informed. Um, the healthy food part of it, like I said, we all know what healthy food is, but I feel like a healthy food really gets overcomplicated. And this is one of the things that I tried to, tried to impress upon uh, the people that I worked with when I was doing the nutrition and wellness is that it's, it's just way, people are making it way too complicated. At the end of the day, this is how I want you to think of it. If God grew it or made it, eat it. If he didn't, skip it. If you can fill your plate and your diet with God-made foods, you're set. If you think about all the things that he made, you know, the eggs, chicken, beef, fish, vegetables, fruits, nuts, all the things that are God-made are the healthy foods. We don't really need to be worried too much about like, you know, fad diets or specific eating plans or things like that. I feel like it just gets so complicated when we try to make, you know, food 
fit into a certain box. And I'm guilty of this too. You know, I, I, a lot of times had defined myself in the past as like a paleo eater, which if you're not familiar with that, it pretty much is uh, God made stuff. You, you don't eat dairy. Um, and things like that. But a lot of times when you're following a diet like that, there's the there's the tendency to still want to feel like you're not um you're not being denied the more decadent foods. So you can, you know, you can piece together some paleo brownies or some paleo banana bread or, you know, whatever. And I've done those that, that those things and I've made those things. And, you know, in moderation they're great. But that's where it starts getting complicated, you know? That's where it starts getting a little bit more challenging. And I just really, especially right now when we're just trying to concentrate on fundamental needs, all you really need to think about is I need to eat more foods that God made and less foods that God didn't. That's it. Like just try to use whole natural ingredients as close to how they come out of the ground that you can possibly get them. And that's really the only thing that you need to worry about. Not saying you can never have Doritos again. Not saying you can never have brownies again. But there's just so much nutrition that our bodies are lacking when we're going through this because all of this stress is just draining of draining us of our nutritional reserves. And if we are not filling those back up and filling our tank back up with good food, we are running around with like zero vitamins in our system and expecting to be able to handle things. I mean, it's just impossible. It's just absolutely impossible. It doesn't work that way. That's like pouring a two liter of Coke in your car and expecting it to be able to, in the gas tank, expecting it to be able to drive. It just won't. And we can't run that way either. So it's such a fundamental need. I know you know how to do it. I know that it doesn't feel like something that you can do right now or want to do right now, but I am telling you, it can make a huge difference in the way that you're able to cope with this whole situation. I promise you. The second thing also can sound like a challenge if this is something that you struggle with, but just understand that it's so important. And that is protecting your sleep and making sure that you get enough of it. Now I hear you say already, I can't sleep. I'm too stressed. I lay in the middle of the night just thinking about what the heck am I going to do next? I It's my time, you know, where I just lay there and process and try to figure things out. I can't sleep. I'm too stressed out. I can't sleep. There's a few tips that I want to give you here because you not having enough sleep is doing the same thing as running around without any nutrients in your body. Your body has got to shut down. Your brain has got to shut down and you've got to refresh your system. And if that's not happening, you are also just running on fumes. So let me give you some things that have worked for me in the past when I have struggled with sleep. Um, I don't anymore because I did learn to protect my sleep and get enough of it, and it has changed everything for me. So a couple of things you can try if you feel like you're someone who battles this on a regular basis. Um, and I do want to tell you, I am not a doctor. I'm not making these recommendations based on being a doctor. Uh, it's just based on my own personal experience, any supplements or anything that I ever mention now or on any podcast or in any of my materials. Absolutely, I encourage you to speak with your doctor before you start on any sort of supplement or anything else. That being said, I have found that melatonin can really work wonders. It is a natural substance, and you can get it in a number of different uh, forms now. Gummies, you can even have gummies that you can take. Um, it's just, it's great. It's just a little bit of something that is uh, non-habit forming and not an actual drug. It's natural. 
that really can help. The other thing, and I learned this from my mama who taught me from a very young age to always take my vitamins. She's been on a vitamin regime for um, or a regimen for I don't even know how many years, just her, my whole life, my whole entire life. She was always, you know, taking her vitamins religiously. Um, and she, when I was a teenager, she used to tell me that I needed to take CalMag, which is basically a blend of calcium and magnesium. And, um, you know, I fought her on it just like I did everything when I was a teenager. <laughs> but I finally tried it a few times and really was amazed at what a big difference that it makes. And I really started thinking about it after the fact. And I thought, you know what? You know how they always say that your grandma gives you a glass of a glass of warm milk if you can't go to sleep? Like that's one of those kind of old old time remedies. Well, guess what's in milk? Calcium and magnesium. So there you go. Um, also, there's a tea that is made by, I believe, Celestial Seasonings called Sleepy Time Tea. And we discovered Sleepy Time Tea when my husband was in treatment, actually. Um, obviously, all of the people there were coming off of various kinds of drug and alcohol, and their sleep was massively affected. And they were trying not to give them a bunch of additional prescriptions and stuff because of why they were there. So that was one of the things that they recommended to them. And my husband was really surprised at how well it worked. And still to this day, if he can't sleep, he'll have some sleepy time tea. So that's also a really great thing to try. And then the last thing, this is one that I learned in high school. I battled insomnia really, really badly in high school and just to where it was crippling. I mean, I was getting like an hour to a sleep, uh, uh, an hour or two of sleep a night for quite some time. And it was, just made things very difficult, as you can imagine. What I, what I found out, and I don't remember where I even first saw it, but was that what I was doing is I was waking up in the middle of the night and I was seeing, oh my gosh, it's 3 a.m. I have to get up at six. I only have three more hours. Oh my gosh, I got I to gotta hurry and go to sleep. Oh my gosh, okay, it's already three o'clock. And, and I would just start like, you know, counting down the time I have. And then I'd lay there for another hour and think, oh my gosh, now it's like 4 a.m. Oh my gosh, I'm so stressed out. I really need to go to sleep. I only have two hours left. I've really got to get to sleep. And what I was doing is just ramping up my brain and waking myself up by thinking about how much how much time I had left to sleep or to not sleep and how much it was going to affect me with every 15, 30, 45 minutes that went by of me laying there. And it just kept me awake. And so I learned that if I did not look at the clock in the middle of the night, that it helped tremendously. So I could wake up and if I didn't look at the clock, it could be, you know, 1.45 or it could be 5.45 and I would have to get up in 15 minutes, but I didn't know that. So I'd go right back to sleep. And I really found that to be super, super helpful. So if you are having some problems getting sleep because of this circumstance that you're in, which I totally understand, been there, done that, these are some ways to try to protect your sleep and make sure that you're getting enough because it's so, so important. The last thing is, definitely last but not least, it is the most important thing, and that is that you really have to feed your soul right now. So I want you to be, aside from the nourishing your body and protecting your sleep. I want you to be less focused on self-care and more focused on soul care. Connect with your maker. He is there for you. He wants to help carry you through this. And if you're not spending time with him on a daily basis, if you're not trying to lean on him and get guidance from him and you know, ask for his peace and just help him just absolutely carry you through this, if you are not tapping into that, I 
encourage you so strongly to do that immediately. Take even 10 minutes in the morning or before you go to bed to open your Bible or a devotional or you know, listen to some worship music or whatever you can do. Just be intentional with this. Please try to be intentional with this because this is life-giving. And in this situation where we are so tapped out and we just are barely making it through the days, this can just make more of a difference than anything else. So self-care for the wife of an alcoholic. Don't neglect your fundamental needs. Nourish your body with healthy God-made food. Watch your alcohol and other other things too that can also definitely be messing with um, you know, your, your nourishment, things like uh, too much caffeine and things of that nature. I mean, it's all wrapped up in just nourish your body with God-made things as much as humanly possible. Protect your sleep and make sure you're getting enough. And then most importantly, make sure that you're feeding your soul and you're getting that soul care by connecting with the Lord and getting close to him, closer to him than you've ever been before, because this is the time where you need that. I hope that this has been helpful. And I will talk to you next time. Hey, I just wanted to take a quick second to thank you so much for being here and for listening to the Married to Addiction podcast. I really hope that it's blessing you. If you are enjoying the podcast, can I ask you a quick favor? Would you go and leave either a rating, a review, or maybe even both on your favorite podcast platform so that other people can find the podcast? When a podcast is new, a lot of times the ratings and reviews is what helps push it out to more people. And I would love to get this out to as many of us secret sisters as possible. And you could definitely help me with that by going and leaving a rating or review. Thank you so much for your help with this. And thanks again for listening.